most people live two lives. They live the life that they're living currently within themselves or they have an opportunity to live the life they've dreamt of. We're living one of those two, I mean. So the key is, what life do you want to live? Do you want to live the life you're currently living in, current situation, current conditions, current stuff you've been dealing with for years or decades, or do you want to live the life that God planned out for you? Do you want to live the life that God set you on this planet for? Do you want to live the life that, for the purpose that God created you for? See, I want you to realize is, as we're living this, is that you, you are and me, we determine our plans, but God determines our purpose. Get this now. We determine our plans, but God determines our purpose. When he created you in his image and likeness and he breathed you into this earth, he did that for a reason. He did that for a purpose. No one can be uh, as good a you as you. You are the greatest you that could ever be. So why try to be someone else? Proverbs 16, 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course. In their hearts, humans plan their course. Look at this now. God, but what happens now is, but the Lord establishes their steps. So in our hearts, we make plans, but God ordains your steps. So here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know today. As believers in a New Testament church, is Satan attacking us or are we attacking him? In a New Testament church, New Testament believers, blood-bought, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of faith and power, is Satan attacking you or are you attacking Satan? When you have problems and circumstances coming up, what's the reason? What's the purpose? Who is attacking who? Until you settle that. Until that becomes your reality, until that becomes your revelation, you will be a yo-yo believer. You'll get a little hope, a little faith, take a few steps, get slapped around a little bit, slide all the way back. You might not slide back as far, and then you'll get a little hope and a little faith, and you're just like a yo-yo believer. But if you want to do kingdom advancement, and you want to live the life that God had purposed you for, if you want to live the life that's the dream life versus just the conditional existing life that you're living right now, if you want to live a life that's going to make an eternal difference, or do you want to live a life that you just kind of get through and you're a good person and you just hope you make it to heaven? See, that's your choice today. Well, if you're going to understand that, you've got to know who is the one on the offense and who is the one that's on the defense? So I want to ask you this question. The scriptures tells us uh, that the scriptures tell us that who the word blesses. So does the Lord bless the hearer of the word only? Huh? No. The Bible says he blesses the doer of the word. So we're to be the hearer, that's good, get the revelation, but until you put action to it, until you do it, you can't walk in the promise. Until you do it, you can't walk in the blessing. Until you do it, you can't step in to that life that you can only dream of living that God set you up for. So the key is what you hear is good, but what you do with it is more important. 
So I want to ask you, when you begin to hear God's plan for your life, and he begins to lay that out for you, I want to ask you, as you do, I want to ask you, when you, you, some of you that you say, okay, I know God's plan for my life, or I have a good idea, or I sense I'm living God's plan to my life. If you're living at 100% level capacity, just wave at me, right? I'm not. It's not a trick question. I'm not either, but I'm pursuing it. So if I'm not living that life that God created me to live at a 100% capacity, then guess what? There's something missing. There's something missing. Now I have to look at, well, if I know I got a good idea of the life I'm supposed to live for God, but now I got to look at this. Now, why am I not getting 100% effect? Why am I missing it in some areas of my life? Now, Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to give you a little review of last week before I get into what God has for you today. And I want you to be thinking about what level are you living out God's plan for your life? What level, if it's a one to five, what level are you living out God's best for you? Because if you're living his plan, you're living his best for you. And if I'm not operating at that level, then there must be something missing. So Matthew 16, 18, and 19 says this, says, and this is Jesus speaking to Peter. He said, and I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates, everybody say the gates, the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, I think, yeah, and I will give you what the keys, everybody say the keys, of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So what's he saying here? If you're not living at 100 capacity of what God created you for, he has already put a tool out there for you to get access to the keys that you need to open up that life that God has called you to live. He said, what? whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loosen on earth is loose in heaven. And I'll get to that in a moment in a more detail. But when I have keys, what, what do keys represent? Access, right? Keys represent access. Keys represent authority. If you were to go back to my office and I say, hey, if you don't mind, go back and get something out of my office for me. And you get back there and the door's locked, you can't access it without keys. In other words, I didn't delegate you proper authority because if I did, I would have given you the keys to go open my office. In other words, it's my office, not yours, right? I'm the one that has authority. I'm the one that controls the keys. Now, here's what's crazy. God said, whatsoever on earth you bind shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now, a lot of people get mixed up on heaven, and I'll do a little side jot for you. There's three heavens the Bible talks about. The, one, the first one it talks about is in Genesis 1 when God's creating the earth and creating everything. And then it says when he created the firmament, that's the only thing he was creating that day that he did not say was good. When he created man, it was good. When he created the oceans and all that, it was good. But when he created the firmament, what is that? The firmament is the second heaven. You and I live in the first heaven, the heavenlies of this earth. And then the Bible says, Paul said, I knew of a man, which is actually him, that was caught up into the third heaven. And when he was caught up into the third heaven, he saw the Son of God sitting on the right hand of the Father. So we know that there are three heavens. And where your warfare happens is in this heaven, this earth, 
And then the second heaven called the firmament that separates the first and the third heaven. Remember when Daniel was fasting and praying and he didn't get the answer and he'd been praying and fasting for 21 days and then one of the archangels finally got through to Daniel and said, you're going to get what you requested. He said, I just want you to realize we've been battling in the firmament for 21 days for this prayer through your faith. That your faith broke us through that veil. In other words, whatever you pray for, when you make a petition, which is prayer of faith, and you ask in Jesus' name, and it's according, it's got to be according to the word, not something goofy, but when you ask, and he gives the key for you to receive that, he can drop that out of heaven to you. But the key is, sometimes it just comes right through the firmament to you. But other times, Satan, I'm going to check their faith out. I'm going to see if they really believe what they believe. You see, if you're doing something for God, he's going to fight you. But if you're not doing anything for God, he's not going to spend any time on you. Daniel, he was after Daniel. So he grabbed those, that prayer that Daniel was praying. And then what happens is, that's why God says what? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose. So if I say, okay, I got this key. And I say, okay, I already prayed. I believe for it. I'm celebrating it. I know God's word says I can have it. It needs to manifest. So there's only one thing. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. He's a God that shall not lie. Numbers tells us that. So therefore, Satan is holding up whatever it is that's mine. But I have the key to release. I have the master key to release any key I need. And I can say, right now, Satan, I bind you from that key that I'm believing for. I'm binding you from the key that God has already released to me. I command you to loose it now in Jesus' name. Guess what are you doing? Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth. So I can bind Satan in the firmament from holding back my, my request. If you've ever heard that or known that, wave at me. Should be a lot more than that because I've shared it, but it's been a while. So we need to understand why we are not accessing those things that God promised us. So many times we get angry at God, we get frustrated at God, and it's not God at all. He's already set it in order, but it's up to you and I to receive the access and the call of forth. Remember, he created you for a purpose, but you're the one that makes your plans. You're the one that's in control of your steps. God's not going to make you step anywhere. The steps of a righteous person, what, are ordered of the Lord. And goodness and mercy shall follow those, right? But here's the key. The key is, are you taking the right steps? Are you walking out the ordained steps that God ordained? That means that, that, he, that he has blessed for you to walk out. So as you begin to realize that, and now you begin to take steps toward your healing, steps toward family, uh, family salvation, whatever it is you're believing for, finances, career, ministry, whatever, as you take those steps and you pray and you get those words from God and you take prophecies you've received that go with it and so on. And that's why the Bible says when you're prophesied over it, don't mean you get it. It says fight for the prophecies of God. Fight for the promises of God. You don't just get them because they've been prophesied. You've got to use your faith to access those very promises that God has for you. So whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, think about this. God gives every New Testament believer what? The keys to access whatever he promised you. I mean, 1 Peter 2, 4, by his stripes what you were healed. So if you were healed, then you've got to find out why I'm not healed right now. Why am I not walking in the fullness of that? And so on. So as so we look at that, now, now let's go on. I'm setting you up, then I'm going to get into this. So it's very important that we begin to operate from, get out of just operating in head knowledge or the world knowledge, 
but we begin to operate at the kingdom level, the kingdom of God level, to access what we're missing. Look at me in Ephesians 6. I'm going to read verses 11 and 12, and then verses 16 through 18. It says, put on the whole, what's that, W-H-O-L-E, armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the ways or the strategies of the devil. Verse 12. For we do not wrestle. Everyone say wrestle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but what? So but means I'm something opposite. But against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. Where now? Where now? In heavenly places. Therefore, take up your whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. So you're not required to do everything. You're just required to do what the Word says and by faith stand according to that Word. That word. So it says that, that you're standing what? Against the principalities, against the powers and the rulers of darkness of this age, that where? The host of wickedness where? In heavenly places. You see, a lot of people don't realize that the Scripture tells us that Satan's not growing stronger. The Bible said the evil one is growing dimmer day by day. He's operating at a higher level capacity today than he did 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago with less power. Think about that. So, so what we got to realize is he's getting weaker. We should be getting stronger because God gave you the keys of his kingdom, his authority to access whatever you're believing for. Now, it said that all this stuff happens in the heavenlies. Remember when Jesus was asked how we pray by his disciples, what did he say? He said that, that we are to pray what? How it be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on where? Earth, the earth realm. As what? It is in not heavenlies, but heaven, the heaven, where God is, right? So everything happens in the heavenlies. And that's what I want you to realize today, that a lot of times you're fighting things according to your conditions, you're fighting things according to your plan and whatever's going for you, your circumstances, whatever's working for you, whatever's not working for you. But God has already set you up for success. God has already set you up to where you have won. And if you will read the end of the book, you will see that you have already won the race. So it's up to you and I to walk out this process that we see in Ephesians and to stand in the whole armor of God. Everybody say, the whole armor. And that we have authority to release blessing from the heavenlies, and we have authority to stop cursings in the heavenlies. Now let's jump down to verse 16. It says what? Two important words. Above all. Think about that. Well, we lost a friend. Above all. Well, we got a bad diagnosis. Above all. Well, they're laying off at work. Above all. Well, I don't have the right employees. My business may go under. Above all. Well, I know God asked me to do certain things, but I don't feel I had the faith to do it. Above all. Well, you know, I got this family problem going on. My child is addicted. What's it say? Above all. So whatever it is, whatever thing you are facing, the Bible says that above all, take what? The shield of faith. Hmm. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to, so if we flesh it up, yeah, so which you will be able to do what? Quench what? All the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now we'll get into verse 17 in a minute. And it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word 
of God. But I want to begin right here and talk to you in detail. I didn't get to last week and talk to you in detail about your authority that you have in this earth. That as a New Testament Christian, you have to come to the realization and accept it as truth and live it and put action to it that you are attacking Satan. He's not attacking you. I'll prove it to you. So we see that back there. What? In, in, in Ephesians 6, verse 12, it says, what, For we wrestle, what? Not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and wickedness in high places. But back up there in Matthew, it tells us, what does it say there? Back in Matthew, it tells us that, that we shall, what? That the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, right? That we are the church, right? And God's equipped us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Now, has anyone ever seen a, a, a movie, you know, back in the Roman days or something? And do you ever see a gate just jump off a wall and start killing people and knocking horses down and chariots down? No. Why? Because gates are not an offense. Gates are a defense. So as so we begin to realize that, and we realize that gates are not, I just love it. You know, it's so funny. You know, you may not believe that the enemy doesn't attack equipment and this and that, and I know we should plan and do things, but that speaker just clicking. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's hilarious. Everybody just laugh. Just laugh. Because, see, that's a choice I have. I can get mad and kick and throw something, or I can just laugh. Because that just means God's going to get this word. If I'll just be faithful to give it to you, you're going to get it at a higher level because you've got you to ignore that stupid thing going on up there so you can receive what God wants to give you. Say, I receive, Lord. Amen. The devil is a liar. So, so as you're wrestling, what I want you to realize, when you're wrestling Satan at his gates, guess what? That means you just kicked his gate open and you stepped on a promise he's been holding the territory up. Because remember, he is the little God of this earth. He's not the big God. And Satan, Jesus came and took back that authority anyway, but he operates as the little God. And what's he doing? He can only hold what we allow him to hold. So it's up to you and I to determine what we're going to take or what we're going to let the devil hold in our life. So whenever you go in there, what I really want you to realize is you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but when I kick a gate open for my healing, or I kick a gate open for salvation for my family, or for a financial breakthrough, whenever I kick that gate open, what I do? I am the one on the offense. I'm the one that stepped in enemy-held territory. Satan's not attacking me. See, that's your problem. Oh, poor little old pitiful me. The devil's beating my brains out. I mean, I grew up in a holiness church, and I'm thankful for that. You know, I did go crazy till I was 21, but I was in there a lot when I was a kid, and, and I, they'd stand up testimony time. Well, I love testimony time. But all it was was bragging on the devil. Oh, Lord, it's been a tough week. <laughs> oh, the devil, he's just beating my brains out. I'm so depressed. And, my husband's depressed. Maybe he's depressed because you're depressed. And, you know, the kids don't want to be around us. Maybe they won't be around you because you're both depressed. And, and, you know, and I think he's, you know, he got his salary cut. And life, it's just been the toughest week of my life. Oh, just praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for me and sit down. Well, who got glorified? Man, if you're sitting in that church, you're going to think the devil is tough. He's beating everybody's brains out. But he wasn't. She was, she was just getting the life that she spoke from her tongue. She was getting exactly what she believed. You see, a lot of times we're saying we don't have enough faith. Yeah, you have faith. That's not the issue. Faith works. Listen, 
The Bible says faith is a law. It's going to work. It's just like gravity is a law. What goes up must come down. If you step off the edge of a building, what? You're going to go down. What is That's a law. Faith is, is a spiritual law, just like gravity is a natural law. And therefore, that faith is a law, then whatsoever I believe in my heart and confess in my mouth, I will get. So if I believe in my heart and confess in my mouth, my family, my marriage is not going to make it. That's what I'm going to get. See, right there, you just, you just glazed over. If I just believe I'm going to die early of, uh, 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 because of my family's had sugar diabetes and I'll probably get it when I'm 50 or 60 and I'll probably die before I'm 65, guess what? You keep speaking that or believing that and speaking it, you will. Oh, they're laying people off. I know I'm way up there. I shouldn't be, but my luck, it'll probably happen, Michael. I'll probably. Guess what? The power of life and death is not in the preacher's tongue. It's not even in the devil's tongue. The power of life and death is in your tongue. You have the power. You have the authority to speak life, to speak death. You have the power to bind death and to release life. You have the power to bind poverty and release, release finances. You have the power to bind iniquity and sin that would ruin your marriage and release holiness and purity before God. Why do you think we quote around here Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses when we get up? It talks about us being the head and not the tail, right? Above and not beneath. We're blessed when we go in. We're blessed when we come out. See, you got to look at no matter what you face, it's going to turn into a blessing. You, you look at this tragedy with Phil. But you got to look at this, guys. A 20-year-old man that had well over 1,000 people in here that day to celebrate his life, probably 800 or somewhere around there during the funeral and all that. But then when you see the people he's mentored and the lives he's changed, and when I got to lead his elder sister to the Lord at the end of the funeral, she said, you want to make it 21? I, I looked. I thought she was a Christian. She's so sweet. I said, you? She said, yeah, me. And we prayed right there. Nobody else knew but me and her. She said, so that was 21 that we know of that came to Christ. At that time, he had three of his siblings come to Christ, two in the hospital, one at the funeral. Now, let me ask you this. Would it have been, if Phil had a choice to say, I can live a healthy, blessed, amazing Christian life till I'm 80, or I might lose this battle over this wreck of my health in the natural, but I won three eternal battles that maybe if that didn't happen, maybe those three siblings never came to Christ. Yeah. Would he rather have them in heaven with him or live the way he wants for 80 years and they... See, see, you, you, you got to start looking at things properly, guys. You're, you're fighting over this little stinky blink. Well, the Bible says this, that's a blink of the eye. It's a blink. I mean, it's a, that's it. The Bible says a day with God is that's a thousand years, and a thousand years, that's one day. We're not even going to be missing Phil a half of a snap. But see, the enemy wants to rob you of your faith. The enemy wants to destroy you, make you, well, you know, Phil, that happened to him. What, what chance do I have? Well, not much talking like that. Right. Because out of the heart, we speak the abundance yes. of what we believe. Yes. So you got to realize, what do you really believe? And you got to realize that you got to always look for the positive in any bad situation because that's the way you make the devil pay back at least seven times. 
what he did. And when we begin to get that attitude, the devil is not going to knock on your door, Zach. You get that attitude, he's going to get the neighbor next to you or maybe a block away. You don't want to get too close to wake you up. He'll attack you at first when you make a big step of faith. He'll attack you at first when you take another level and all that. But if he sees that you're growing from it, he'll leave you alone for a season. Because Satan is not omnipresent. He is not a fallen, shouldn't even say fallen angel. He's a kicked out angel. I mean, the, the, the archangels, the bouncers of God, Michael, he just, boom, kicked him out of heaven. And the Bible says in Luke, he hit the earth like lightning. And that's why he hates us so much. We got all of his blessing. He's bankrupt. He's a loser. Why do you shake? Oh, my God, don't stir up the devil. Don't confess that. You know, it's been a pretty good life. I don't want all this trouble to hit my house. Honey, you in trouble. Because as soon as there's a hiccup happens, you will die. You got to begin to realize you are the one. When you get attacked, you need to celebrate. And just say, praise God, I'm doing something right. Man, this sickness hit my body. Look, what's the devil going to do with you? Did this sickness hit my body? Look out, something good's getting ready to happen. First of all, I'm going to get healed. Second of all, great things are going to come out of this. Oh, you you took that job? Then I got a job. I'm going to get seven times better than what I got right here. It may not be the first job, but within a year, two, or three, I'll probably be making seven times what I... See, See, now in your mind, you two people clapped. And I've seen people in this church that were great tithers that lost high-level positions, and they just kept right on tithing out of their savings. And within a few months, they got a job and a promotion higher than what they paid. And then one time, they, even the company tried to come and hire them back and pay them, and they just laughed at them. You, you can't outserve God. You can't outdo God. You can't outlove God. You can't outgive God. When Jesus said, it's finished, it's finished. What's going to happen when you kick open a gate? God tells you your marriage is going to be stronger than any marriage any of your generations has ever seen. And all of a sudden, you get in spat after spat for two weeks. You're like, Lord, I thought you said we're going to have a great marriage. You are, dummy. You need to celebrate, humble yourself, and repent even if you're not wrong and kiss and make up and just thank God for your great marriage. So when you're facing obstacles while making decisions, you're making a decision to advance in any area of your life for God and for his kingdom, and all of a sudden, life happens, we say, right? The enemy attacks, then get ready. That doesn't mean it's finished, people. It's not even a test. You know what? Anybody ever been around wrestlers in high school or college? Pound for pound, wrestlers are the strongest people in any school high school or college, because they got to lose all this weight and build themselves up. They're the strongest, and they're athletic and quick and all that. Some of the greatest athletes in our school systems are wrestlers. Now, when they're out there, Paul, on a match, and they're getting slung around and they're slinging other people around, is that a test? It's not a trick question, people. I know, it's deep. told you it'd be a deep, heavy revy today. If you're in the middle of a fight, is that a test? No! That's a fight! If you're in the middle of a wrestling match, it's not a test. You're not shadow wrestling. I love you, baby. I'm not going to say nothing. That makes me grace everybody else more, sweetie, because I know you. 
say, man, the preacher's arrogant today. Well, maybe you're just not humble enough to forgive me. I don't know. But anyway, so, so I'm just messing with you. So anyway, so what are you in? You're in a wrestling match. So when you get in a wrestling match, do you grow in faith or go down in faith? Not always. It's your decision. It's going to be how you look at it. The Bible says, what? Uh, a man shall have whatsoever he believeth. All things are possible to them who... Then we look at the scripture in John 14. Jesus said, you'll not only do the works I've done. He does some pretty cool works, right? But even greater works than these. And all of our Bible scholars make excuses. It's the, the, the harmonized body, the harmonogeneity, all the church, the bride. And we do more. My God, just read the freaking Bible. <laughs> read the word. It's not what it says. If that offended you, God bless you. I'll lay hands on you if you want me to. So, so look, look, guys, listen, I want you to get this so bad, so badly. I get what I believe. But what I know is not what I believe. I know what my physique should look like. I know what my weight should be. I know the muscle mass that I should have and the fat count or whatever. I, I know all that. But I don't believe it until I take action to achieve it. That's why faith without works is dead and works without faith is dead. But what if you got the understanding that when you are attacked, that doesn't mean you're failing. That doesn't mean you're missing God. Well, what well, first thing to do, well, Lord, where did I miss you? You didn't miss God. You just missed a nugget, a revelation, something you got to get. That's why he said, seek and you shall find. He didn't say, you shall find because you're a good person. He said, not ask and you shall receive. Seek you find what? said, knock and the door will open. Didn't say go up and stand by the door. I know this is the right door. I just don't want to be rude, Lord. I know it's the right door. I'm right here and I'm just believing for this breakthrough. Knock! You don't just knock. You start pounding, kicking, pumping that door. That's belief. Not a few things. All things are possible to them. Here says Tom, he's had this diagnosis, I guess, maybe since you were a child, Tom, more, huh? when you're born with it, right? And we've been believing now for 20 years, 18 years, right? And there was a time he was in worse shape then, right, than you are now. But now he's out there at that funeral, open, close that door, run around this church, and he's not got 100% of what he's believing for. But you won't find anybody that believes stronger than him that he's going to get everything God said he has. And that's why he's a stronger now than he was when he was a young man. But, but we look at somebody like that and say, well, you know, he prophesies, he has faith, but he's got this physical faith. He should have been dead 30 years ago. But he's not. He's making the devil mad. He prays. He reads. He loves people. He feeds the hungry. He feeds the widows. He prophesies. He lives it. He loves people even when they're not lovely. So who's winning? Who really believes? You see, a lot of times we're so quick to judge the outside circumstances in people's life and the whole story hadn't been revealed yet. Let me tell you something. Your story hasn't been revealed yet. You're the one that knows your story. God knows your story. But if you don't agree with God on your story, you're going to get exactly what you believe. 
Now, there's times where grace happens, like you weren't believing for your ear because, you know, it was messed up from the time you were a little girl, right? And miracles started moving in the room. And Zach got a miracle, and other people got miracles that day on a Sunday morning. And then I said, well, what about you? His lovely wife would stand up. She stood up. And I said, well, what do you believe? I see something with your ear, and you'd had a bad congestion and stuff going on. It wasn't even on her radar. She said that, well, this ear's death. I was just thinking about all the fluid in my head and this other ear. And then I started speaking something. Well, you know, I just see, yeah, that's going to go, but I see God creating an eardrum for you. And I see sinew and flesh and nerves and live nerves coming back in your ear. She's like, okay. Well, she said, I get home, I'm thinking, man, I feel better. But all of a sudden, later that day, she started hearing all this ear she could never hear of. Then it got to the point she started hearing so good it hurt because she'd never heard sounds out of that ear. And God took a girl who her, her eardrum was destroyed by medication stuff when she was an infant and all the infections to where it was destroyed and recreated an eardrum for her, and now she hears. And she's sitting right there. Now, it'd be great if that happened all the time, but really it wouldn't be. Because if that happened all the time, when would we build our faith? Does a weightlifter get, get muscles by buying a great uh, fitness membership and going and sitting in the gym four hours a day and just sitting by the weights and cleaning them and hanging out with them? Or does he... You know, do you ever see a person that's a big brute and you go, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I want to have a tough workout. Don't do that. You just touched their biceps. Ow! Because they've had those biceps under pressure. They've been ripping them and tearing them down intentionally because they know the principle. If I tear that muscle down, it's got to shoot more blood flow, proteins, and all that stuff to my arm, and it'll make my muscle bigger and stronger. So if God just did created miracles for you all the time, would you even have faith to get to heaven? You see, when you're stretched, when you're pressed, when you're sore, when you're banged up, when you're tired, you're right in the middle of where your breakthrough is happening. When we feel our weakness, I said it during the funeral, Paul said, when I'm feeling my weakness, I'm actually the strongest in Christ. We value, you know, if I've had a good week, month, year, decade, am I strong, am I healthy, are my bills paid? Listen, people, you know, a lot of things the devil don't even do. We just make stupid decisions. But God's grace is good enough to get us help if we'll work and get us out of it. Most times, not even the devil. He's not that smart. Or we're not doing enough to draw his attention to be that smart toward us. But, but really, it's, it's, it's when you're, listen, you wrestle not against flesh and blood but you wrestle against Satan. What? Principalities, power, wickedness, and high places. So when I'm in a wrestling match and my chin's getting knocked back and forth and my head's getting, I'm getting choked and I'm getting thrown around and my ears are getting, some wrestlers, y'all's ears get mangled up, man. So there I'm ears all, everything, you're, you don't have any breath left and you've been fighting and you've been rolling around on that mat. It's not a test. It's a real fight. But you got in that ring believing you could win. And you prepared to win. So why do we back up when the fight gets going really good? See, see, I don't want the biggest, toughest dude hanging out with me if I'm at a club. Number one, if you're young, shouldn't be at a club. Number two, if you are, don't be stupid enough to leave it at closing time. 
That's when all the stupid stuff happens. But I'm not going to be hanging out with two big old brute dudes that we're going to walk out and be all tough, and then they're with me and nobody's messing with me, and then finally somebody gets courage to mess with me, and then them two leave because they don't like, they won't mess their shirt up, their clothes up, right? I'll take the little, scrawniest, craziest guy ever that'll be with me because I know at least he'll fight with me, help me, right? I know if you're too sanctified for that. God bless you. <laughs> Used to sanctified, you're probably stuck. But anyway, so I just feel frisky today, Meg. I'm just sorry. And I'm not sorry, really, I'm not. So God's just testing your patience, that's all. Listen. Man, when we, when we were out and we were kids fighting and stuff, now you don't want to do that, somebody to shoot you. But, you know, we take our shirt off if it's on a weekend. We don't want a shirt to work because that fight was it. We're going to go do something later anyway. But if your shirt did get torn, you ever seen a guy come out and he looks half beat to death? He's like, man, I killed that guy. He's like, you should look at yourself. He didn't want to think about himself. He's thinking about that dude that's messing with him. What if you had that approach with the devil? What if you said, you think I look bad? You better look at the devil. You better look at the guy wrestling with me. The guy that tried to destroy my family, you should see his face right now. The, 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 the guy that tried to take my career, you should look at that devil's face right now. The one, I'm not talking about a guy as a person. I'm talking about that spirit, that little wimpy imp that Satan discharged towards you and commanded to mess with you. You should look at that little imp. He's probably already waiting. He's already probably wishing the end had come so he could just burn for a while. Hey, he got beat to a pulp. You ever notice that if you were a kid and somebody was bullying you and then finally you stood up to them and after that they were afraid of you? How'd you feel then? Well, just think about it. Every battle you won, that devil's got your name. He'll send somebody else. He don't want to mess with you because you already whooped him. Why is it that different stages in your life you find that things that used to, could have taken your salvation don't even really bother you anymore? You just laugh. That's stupid. You're fighting bigger devils, right? Why is that? Because you grew. And if you didn't have that wrestling match when you were a baby Christian, you wouldn't be where you are today. What are you wrestling over? What are you fighting for right now? What are you believing for? Who are you standing in the gap for? Man, I shared at the funeral, my, my mama, God bless my mama. Lord help her. Man, that woman, she's right there with Jesus somewhere because I'm telling you, man, she's leading something in heaven putting up with this boy. My dad died when I was three months old. My mom married my father. He was older than her, but she married my father. He had five children, and uh, three of them at the time were still home. And his wife had died when she was 31, I think. And my mom was just 19 or something when she married him. He's in his 30s or whatever. Well, I had these five older brothers and sisters before I was ever born. And then my mom had four children by my father. And then my father died early of cancer, lung cancer. So here my mom is back then in eastern Kentucky. By the time you got through, if you got through eighth grade, you were doing really well because your parents would hire you out to be nannies and clean houses and take care of people's homes. So by the time she would have been a freshman in high school, her, her my grandma met them were so poor, the older girls, they just had to go be in, stay in babysitters for families and nannies. So she couldn't go to school because she's taking care of other people's kids and doing that. So here she is. There's no welfare then. That's before welfare. She's sitting here, and she's got a three-month-old, a four-year-old, a nine-year-old, an 11-year-old, and two in high school with an eighth-grade education.
But she raised us. And she took care of us. She worked three shifts in restaurants to eventually she bought a little place called the sweet shop that she used to work in. And a woman was retired and wanted mom to have it. And she bought this little, we lived in the back and everybody worked that little, it was between the courthouse and the school. It was perfect. And she worked like a dog raising all of us. And then as I got older, she married my stepfather for a few years. And then he was killed and had my little sister, Marcia. She's nine years younger than me. And then he was killed in a coal mining explosion. I mean, this woman lived through some stuff. Say some stuff. She lived through some stuff. And that's a woman you'd wonder if she'd ever even think God was real or not, right? But she prayed. She believed. She spoke over us kids. I'll never forget, man, I was playing sports, doing all that, doing pretty good. All my older siblings were pretty well out of the house. I was doing pretty good, just me and my little sister. And this was not long after my stepfather was killed and stuff. And I was playing high school sports. And I was out one summer. And mom and them were gone, and I was on my dirt bike, and I was coming home, and a friend wanted to ride. I picked him up, and I'm zipping him up the road, and we hit a dog. A dog comes out, boom, hit it, flip up the road, and it breaks my leg. I mean, when I got up, my jeans, one bird's over here, one more bird's over here. I just got home from basketball camp, love sports. And, uh, you know, back then, you didn't have a cell phone. They were at a county fair. I mean, you're just waiting, right? Neighbors, ah, oh, son, I think it's broke. Let's see. We'll just we'll wait two or three hours for them to get home. They called, they run me to the hospital. And anyway, long story short, my leg was broke, had a cast all summer up here, but I couldn't play sports. So I started doing what some older siblings did, I started partying. I was a popular kid, but I started partying. And later in my high school career, I did at least get to play baseball. I got healthy enough where I could do that. I couldn't really play basketball, but I played baseball my junior and senior year. But I still partied like a crazy man. Went away to college, partied out of two colleges and totaled three cars. And I'll never forget, I'm laying in mom's bedroom, in a bedroom, my little bedroom back there at mom's house, and every Saturday all the kids come over to eat, my older siblings, you know. And they're sitting there saying, what are you going to do, mom? What are you going to do? He's going to kill somebody or he's going to get killed. And, my God, you got it. And I'm just laying back there crying, listening to all that. But I'll never forget, my little mama shook her finger and said to them, that's my baby in there. I'll, I'll, I'll take care. I'm responsible for him. I'll kick his butt. I'll do what I got to do. But don't mess with my baby. He's going to be a man of God. And I, you know, they looked at her like, she's crazy. We'll be lucky if he sees another birthday, let alone be a man of God. I go back home and people still look at me and say, we just can't believe it. You're alive, number one. And number two, you're a preacher. They can't believe it. Some of you are probably saying, yeah, I agree with that. But see, my mom had been through some big fights before this little dude came on the scene. She was believing for food. I remember we'd move so much, and it's like it seemed like every three months she was painting another old apartment because she just had to move around different little places in that place. But see, my mom knew how to fight. She was battle-tested, and she knew there was a word. Now, not only did I become a preacher, but I led my older brother to the Lord, and we're both preachers now. And our grandma had prayed for years as a Sunday school teacher that God would bring a preacher and didn't realize it'd be two of her grandkids. But the devil already had us signed off and dead. If I had believed my siblings who loved me, I ended up leading them to the Lord. But I, because they're like, my God, if he saved you, he can save us. <laughs> save anybody, save you. And they all served God. But, but here's the thing, guys. It didn't look good. It didn't feel good. And I'd never want to go back through all that stuff again. I'd never want to put my mom through all that stuff again. But she got to live the next 20 years of her life just enjoying watching people get saved and God touching people's lives. And bless. Why? 
Because she wasn't afraid of the fight. Because what she had meant more to her than the blood and the sweat and the fight that it took to keep it. See, when you really believe, you'll fight for it. You see, people out here, I see people, they'll fight over politics. They'll kill a friend over politics. They'll curse a friend over politics. But they, they're quiet about Jesus. They'll find an issue that could be a Christian issue and go crazy over it. But they don't say nothing about Jesus. They'll agree with you we should do things for Jesus. But I don't hear them getting vocal. I don't hear them getting all loud over that. See, I, I want to realize, when you really believe it, it's worth fighting for. You really don't believe it if you're not willing to die for it. If you're willing to die for it, you believe it. You see, you can be a little old kid. I was a little old kid when I was young, and my older siblings were grown, so I'd have to fight. Man, I didn't have a daddy. And I'd be the little guy, so they'd want to fight. I just kind of figured it out by the third or fourth grade. Wait a minute. If I take the fight to them, they're they going to leave me alone. And that's what I'd do, but I'd just slap Jack, whatever do I do, and they might whoop me, but the next time they see me, I grab their leg if I had to. We're going to fight it. And after two or three times with one person, the rest of them said, that kid's crazy. Leave him alone. They said, why don't you go do something to that boy? All right, Dalton, boy, you do that to him. And just like, oh, man, you just mess your clothes up. Even if you whoop him, just mess your clothes up. See, I learned. See, you got to learn to fight. You got to learn to man up. You got to learn to woman up. You got to learn to stop feeling sorry for yourself and, oh, the church did this or the church didn't do that or mama did this or daddy didn't do that. The cat did this. The dog did that. The stranger did this. The teacher did that. You know the funny thing being a preacher, which I was always the one that came against authority, so God has an amazing sense of humor, right? You know, I'm, you can tell I'm real even kill, right? So, so. Todd, Michael Todd Becker said, Pastor, you ought to cry more like you did the other night because people just see how soft and nice you are. I just can't, I just can't fake it. But, but so if someone had an authority problem with a coach, a teacher, a parent, eventually, if they don't deal with it, I deal with it. Even if they've been here five or ten years, sooner or later, they come at me. And I'm like, you know me better. What are you doing? What's... <laughs> and if they don't deal with it, they'll just leave. Some of you have left and came so many times, it's hilarious. But I just love you every time. Every time you say, forgive me, Pastor. I say, I forgave you when you did it. I'm not going to live miserable too. I'm not going to live in bondage. You one did it. I love you and pray for you. i got other things to do, other fish to fry. But sure, it hurts for a little bit, but I know it's best to let people go. And then they come back. I let them go. They come back. That's fine. You can come back anytime you want. I love it when they come back. Now, I'm not putting that down. That, that shows humility and all that for people to do that. So I, I don't put that down. I'm excited to see that in people. Even if I'm the one wrong, you still got to grace me, right? But what happens is in life, when we had problems with authority figures, then we're going to find whatever authority figure in whatever circumstance we're in, and we're going to blame them. And if it has to, we'll work it all the way up to God. If there's nobody, we'll blame it on God. But we don't ever blame nothing on the devil. I've never seen a person walking in the bondage of unforgiveness that blamed anything on the devil. Well, that's a heavy revy. Have you? I've never seen that. That's stupid. I'm going to quit God. That stupid devil, he's been beating my brains out. No, I'm going to quit God because he didn't answer my prayers. I'm going to quit church because they didn't visit me in the hospital. Nobody knew you was in the hospital. Well, you should read Facebook. Well, a lot of people's on Facebook. I'm a heavy meddling preacher. 
Listen, I'm not always right, and I'm not definitely close to being perfect, but I'll be truthful with you. And there's not one thing you can't break off your life today. Today. Most people think when they're praying for breakthrough, and I'm going to let you go here. Most people are thinking that when they're praying for breakthrough, and they put a plan, they start a plan, the breakthrough doesn't happen until you get the manifestation. But that's not when the breakthrough happens. Breakthrough happens when you determine your heart and mind and believe it so much, no matter what, you're going to carry that thing out. You just had your breakthrough. You just had your breakthrough. The rest will come. The breakthrough is not when you get there and you receive it. The breakthrough is the massive action you take because you believe it. So there's not one of you today that can't have a massive breakthrough. There's not one of you that can't have a breakthrough in your health in your relationships, in your finances, in your ministry, in your business, in your employment, in your education. Not one of you. Not one of you. 